0: everyone. This is Regina. Hi, horse lovers. This is Lynn. This week on the Horse Industry Podcast. So, Hello, listeners. This is Lynn, and I am super excited today. I'm on the road in Salem, Ohio at Penley Horsemanship. You'll remember a few weeks ago, we did a cowboy-mounted shooting episode with Melissa Shayner. and today we're going to continue that conversation with Melissa's trainer, Jared Penley of Penley Horsemanship. Their motto here is gun, grit, and grace, and we're going to talk a little bit about that as we go on. But, Jared, welcome. Thank you for joining me today. Yeah,
1: thanks for being here.
0: Yep. No, absolutely. And I just got a tour of their farm, and it is a beautiful place in the hills of Ohio. And they've got a a beautiful indoor arena, and outdoor arena, and you guys have been here since July, so you're getting things set up to go.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's been a, a road us leasing places but we've got our place now and and we're we're loving it
0: yeah so. i think for every trainer like once you can finally have your own place and you're done renting and leasing from others and you can kind of control your own destiny it's really a game changer you can focus on your horses much better when you're at your own place do you oh, find absolutely. that
1: oh absolutely yeah yeah we had our place in new hampshire before we moved here we had that place for four years and then moved to Ohio.
0: So, let's talk about the CMSA, the Cowboy Mounted Shooting Association, and just how long has that association been there?
1: Oh, it started, I don't know the exact year. It started in the 80s, and it started in Arizona, and literally they were, they rode through the desert shooting guns, so they didn't have arena or anything. To my knowledge, they were actually shooting live rounds, and they just (laughs) thought it was going to be... You know, just a lot of fun for them to kind of reenact being a cowboy, you know, I, and they kind of yeah. turned it into a competition. So, and it's just grown from there.
0: So, how many do we? How many members are part of the CMSA?
1: Oh, I know? have my CMSA number is fourteen thousand something. Is it really? Yeah. Wow.
0: Nice. So is there an amateur association? Or like a, like in the cutting horse, we've got you're qualified for non-pro and then you've got your professionals. Is it set up kind of that way too?
1: Yeah. So AQHA has it set up where there's limited and open uh, competitors. So you start out as a level one and you can go from a level one to a level six. So levels one, two, and three, you're in the limited and in levels four, five, and six, you're in the open.
0: Gotcha. So if somebody wanted to Google and find the Cowboy Mounted Shooting Association, I think they just put in those words and it'll pull up the association somewhere and probably a membership form on there and everything to get you signed up.
1: Yeah, it'll pull you right up to the CMSA website. Gotcha.
0: And I know that you are a big part of creating the Derby and you are on the board for the Futurity and the Derby. So tell us about like the Futurity. What age horse does it cover for the Futurity?
1: Yeah, so the faturity, you have to be, the horse has to be a four-year-old. It has to be a registered four-year-old of any breed. The sport is mostly AQHA, but this year we had a Arabian for the first time. And, right, and Melissa yeah.
0: talked about about that with us, so that was exciting. Yeah, and he
1: did an awesome job. But you can't compete until January 1st of their four-year-old year, and you have to compete in the faturity to be eligible for the derby, which is their five-year-old year.
0: Right. So, I mean, that adding the derby to that then gives those horses another event to prepare for and to keep competing. So I know that you spent a lot of time developing that, that derby. Tell us about the derby and, and what that's done for the sport to add that additional event.
1: Yeah, I think the derby just gives you the opportunity to, to continue to show the advancement of the young horse in the sport. And it just gives them another title to run for, you know.
0: So do you have a like is there a national champion or a world champion or is it just like there's smaller futurities and then the main futurity in September?
1: Starting this year the futurity is only this will be the 5th year of the futurity so still young. Yep, the 2021 futurity will be the 5th year. So it's still young and this will be the first year of the, but this past futurity we gave away over $42,000. Oh, that's pl- awesome. Plus saddles to the both the limited and the and the pro riders, it was a, it was great. It was wonderful. Where's
0: and where do you hold the faturity?
1: The faturity is held at the Eastern National Championship in uh, Murfreesboro, Tennessee.
0: Gotcha. And then, where's the Derby going to be held?
1: At the national championship, the Jeffers national championship for the CMSA will be held in Tunica, Mississippi.
0: Okay, got it. So, yeah. those are, I mean, the horse capital. I mean, a lot of associations use those same facilities and arenas. So, that's awesome.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Great, great facilities and great ground to run.
0: So, Jared, you've been riding futurity horses and preparing futurity horses. What what made you really want to push and develop the Derby? I mean, you had to campaign to get that added. So how, tell us about those steps to, to get to there.
1: Yeah, well, I have to take a step back. The first year of the Futurity happened, Johnny Giannossi is the president of the Futurity. And he came and asked me to be on the board for the Futurity. So I've been on the board for three years. And I just saw that we needed to get the Derby going so that they work hand in hand. But the true purpose of the Faturity and the Derby is to is to really build a true mounted shooting line, just like there's a cutting horse line, just like there's a barrel line. It's gonna take years, but we're fifty years behind barrel horses. You know, our our faturity has just started. So and that's our true goal. I mean we have a bloodline that we really look for and we know that they take to the gunfire, and we know they have the mind, they have the athleticism, and we promote that line. And I feel that a lot of other trainers in the sport, they promote a certain line that they really like, too. So...
0: There's so many different ways that we can take this conversation because I love the idea of talking about the bloodlines and the genetics. I'm kind of a cattle girl. We raise cattle and genetics are really important in the cattle. But it sounds like with the shooting sports, just like with cutting or with Western pleasure horses, you're breeding for a certain discipline. And I mean, I guess horses that can react, not react to gunfire, Right. So Absolutely. are there certain bloodlines that like you work with a Pepto Boons Mall and they're always quiet? Or... That's
1: exactly what we like. We like the really all of the peppy sand lines. Our young stallion is a Pepto Boons Mall. I've trained several Pepto Boons Mall young horses. They've all took right to the gunfire. They really take to the sport and they just they have the cattiness and the efficiency that we really that is just huge in our training program we more train control and efficiency throughout the shooting shooting pattern more so than just free running just you know top end speed we believe it's more speed with efficiency that takes time off the clock not just the biggest strongest free running horse out there
0: right so and we talked about this earlier because i said it you know because this is a sport of seconds and you're like no this is a sports of tenths of seconds
1: oh absolutely i mean you you get beat by two or three tenths every stage well that's literally a half a stride like maybe you took a stride around a barrel one stride longer than your competition well if they beat you by three tenths of a second over five stages that adds up to one and a half seconds That you get beat by, so
0: that whole tenth of a second thing is just crazy. So talk to me. So if I brought you a prospect, talk about what is it like to be in training as a as a mounted shooting prospect horse. I mean, like when you get them, do you start them as two year olds? Do you wait till they're three year olds? Talk to us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, I start them at two. It just depends on the horse and their maturity level, both physically and mentally. I mean, you have to adapt to the horse and what they, what they're able to do. Do you start
0: firing guns around them like oh, yeah. in your two-year-old for sure? Yeah,
1: yeah, they start you know on the farm we're shooting all the time. Um, I bet so, your neighbors love you. Well, actually, we have great neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they love us. So, uh, so that's pretty wonderful. But yeah, the horses are constantly hearing the gunfire either in their stalls or when they're out to the pasture or or when they're tied up or in the round pen or whatever they're just they're hearing gunfire all the time
0: so you do a lot of and it sounds like you do a lot of groundwork with your young horses I do. to adapt them
1: i do i do a lot a lot of trust building top stuff while getting them to understand that i have control of their feet them just allowing me to you know you you really get them to Kind of submit to you. People don't like that word, submit, but but that's what it is. Well, I mean, is it I'm,
0: submit or is it trust?
1: It is trust. Yeah, you know when when something submits to you, they're completely they, they are putting their trust into you. Yeah. So the submit word isn't great, but it is all about yeah, tr- it is sure all it is. about trust.
0: Yep, absolutely. So I mean, it's almost like because we I use the analogy like hunting dogs, and that they have to be gun broke and not afraid of the guns and and so you're starting that earlier and one of the things that you said to me too that really stood out to me too is that you have to teach these horses to spook in place talk about that
1: yeah so I do with all really all my young horses depending on how naturally reactive they are the more of that reactive side that they have you have to go through I believe you have to go through and and do, I do a complete drag training series with them. It takes anywhere from two weeks to a month. What is drag training? Yeah, so at first, I need them in the round pen where they really want to stay with me. Like, they're not trying to get away from me. They're hooked up with me. They're wanting to really just stay hooked up with me. I can control their feet without touching them just a couple of feet from me. Then with the drag training, I start with them standing still. And I just throw the lariat to mm-hmm. the side, and it's a lot of repetition. Mm-hmm. But over time, you start attaching things to that lariat. So you start with a handkerchief, and then you go up to a towel, and then you go up to a tarp, and then you go you go to a tire, you go to a uh, milk jug with rocks in it, and all this. Well, all that's done before you ever ask them to take a step. Okay, and then... That is teaching them to spook in place because it's my job to take that object that they're scared of because I never touch them with it. The second you touch them with it, they realize, oh, this isn't going to kill me. Well, this trust building exercise to teach them to spook in place. You're not desensitizing them by rubbing them with the object. You're throwing it away from them, dragging it towards them and then watching it go by. And it's my job to jerk that object away before they try to get away from it.
0: That's fascinating.
1: And then you build from there. Once you've gone through all of that, and it just depends on the horse how long that takes. Then you actually, I put the lariat around the saddle horn where I could easily flip it off. So I'm holding one end of the lariat, the lariat's over the saddle horn. And then I go ahead and ask them to step off and me free lunge them in the round pin. And then they're actually dragging whatever behind them. So I always start with just the lariat. They're just dragging the lariat, and then maybe I, I attach a old towel to it, or a dish rag or whatever, you know. Just just just, just whatever. Yeah. You know, yeah. and then and then you just build from there. I've had you know dragging tires and and milk jugs with rocks filled in them, and so it's making a lot of noise. The but mil- the, I but remember
0: the, I remember the milk jugs with rocks in them, like from yeah. years ago. Like that makes a lot of noise. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and the key there is for them to never actually run from anything. If they actually start running from it, I'm going to toss the lariat off of the saddle horn so that they can get away from it, and I'm going to start over. Because the key there is for them to be dragging the object with speed control. So I'm controlling the speed the horse is going from the ground. And that they learn to turn and face whatever they're scared of. Whatever they're dragging.
0: Right, so... So that's amazing, all the groundwork that goes into them, and so much better for their legs and their minds. I oh, think. absolutely. And, right. Do, so, you, do you do much lunging?
1: Yeah. We, we just, we really take pride in, we build a well rounded horse. We can, you know, our horses can go. Do whatever you want to do with them. Take them
0: out. Let them play in the round pen. Because I, I noticed you've got three round pens out there. So let them play in the round pen a little bit, and and probably do a lot of the the groundwork in your round pen. And then you're going to step up to riding and and shooting sports. It's you know, the mounted shooting is a lot of pattern. It's all pattern. And what Melissa taught us on the other episode. There's 76
1: patterns. Yeah, there's over 70 patterns. And what happens is you go to a competition and the patterns are randomly drawn at the beginning of the day, so you don't know what you're going to get, what you're going to run until you get there. So, it's not really that the horses they start to see the patterns a little bit, but just because they think they see what where they're supposed to go doesn't always mean they that's can't where anticipate they're suppo- it. No.
0: Okay, so now we're starting towards the point where we've done a lot of groundwork with these horses, and now we're going to start. You're going to be riding them and training them on their back. So talk about that. Is a, it is a lot of leg? Do you ride with a lot of leg? I would think you have to if
1: you're shooting. A lot of seat and leg with my horses. You know, there are a lot of horses that are just kind of point and shoot. I just, I consider them more of your, more of your kind of non-pro horses that aren't as technical. But the more technical horses, a lot of seat, a lot of leg, because I want to be out of their face. I want to be, but I do a lot of I mean, right away, right when I get on their back, it's all about them yielding to my hands and controlling their feet and go ahead and start with the mechanics of of how I want their feet to move.
0: Let's talk about the fundamentals. Like, what what skills do these horses, what do they have to do when they go out there to do a pattern?
1: Yeah, I believe the reining fundamentals are huge in the sport. They have to know lead changes. They have to know their leads. Really know their leads. They have to be able to change their do a flying lead change. They have to. They have to have a very good rollback in some of these patterns, and they have to have a good slide and stop. I mean, they when you're asking a horse to run a 10-second pattern, if they don't tuck that butt in the ground to get around a barrel or to make a particular turn. That 10 second run is going to turn into a 12 second run and that won't get it done when you're at the top level. So you just take that down, kind of down the ladder. You know, if you're a level two and you're wanting to be one of the top level twos in the country, well, you have to be sitting on a horse that has those fundamentals, that knows that how to prepare to turn how to sit its butt in the ground and turn, elevate a shoulder, soften everything in its face, soften their body, round their body, pick their back up, put their butt on the ground and turn. If they, you know, if they completely get on their forehand and pile up on their shoulder, that turn, that just that turn will take you out of them, out of the money. If they, I mean, it could take you from first place in your class to third place in your class. It's that close and I have been at competitions where I know that w- that one turn cost me cost me the win,
0: and you're talking money,
1: oh yeah, yeah, you're talking a big payout, you're talking about payout, you're talking about a big title you know, for your horse's resume, yeah, all that stuff so so the fundamentals are just huge in the sport day to day, I work on just their uh slow mechanics of their feet work. That's my day-to-day work with them, really.
0: Yeah, so it's not, so your day-to-day work, it doesn't involve running, you don't run the pattern maybe once a week. How often do you run a pattern when you're working out?
1: It depends on the horse, it really does, but I would say on average once a week. Yeah. Just, and that that once a week, I am running multiple patterns. That's, that's like the day that I do pattern work. On that particular horse. There are some that need it more times than once a week. But then also once a week. I may do drill work. That adds in the guns and shooting the balloons and everything. But you're doing drills instead of. And you're working on one particular aspect of the sport. Maybe one drill I'm only working on barrel turns. And then maybe one drill I'm only working on their left handed turn. Maybe their mechanics just aren't strong on their left side or their right side. So I'm really doing some drill work on their right-handed turns. And you just go from there. There's
0: so much detail.
1: That's probably the biggest thing about the sport is I'm in no way downplaying any other discipline. But you can't just load up and go to a shooting event. There's a lot of things you have to get your horse. You have to start getting your horse gun broke, you know, and and you have to have guns. You have to have holsters. Now, new people get in the sport. The people in the sport are absolutely wonderful. When there's new people that enter the sport, I mean, they'll let you borrow their horse. They'll let you borrow. I mean, l- literally, I'm a, I'm a level six competitor, and I've had multiple people that I'm competing against offer me their horse to ride if my if something happens. Like I went to one event and my horse colicked. I had half a dozen people saying, "Oh, Jared, you know, just ride my horse," and they're people I'm competing against. You know, I'm trying to beat them, and they're like, "Just ride mine," you know. So. so
0: So when it comes to, like, awards for these horses or, like, do you earn a championship? Is it money earned, like, in the cutting? Like, how do they, how do you...
1: Yeah, there is there is payback in this sport. I would say more than payback, it's it's the title that you're running for. The Jeffers National Championship is in April. And then it's the Western National Championship out in Las Vegas. And then it's the Appalachian Championship in Virginia. And it's the Eastern National Championship in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. And then the World Championship is in Amarillo, Texas, which just happened a couple of weeks ago.
0: So, the value of these horses when you're shopping for a horse for mounted shooting, I mean, you're going to advertise them as, as with, with these titles or placing at the maturity and the Derby. And because I'm like, I'm thinking like with my cutting horse, we look at like the money earned, like the lifetime earnings so it's it's that that values the horse as you go to to sell one of these horses,
1: yeah, the biggest you know probably the biggest thing in the sport is is the point system. People are running for year end points both okay. both at the local uh level and at the national level or the world level so
0: so you've got your so there's regional awards and national awards, yeah. Okay, got it. And that's kind of like the other associations. And that, honestly, that regional stuff really gets people fired up to compete. I mean, like at the show that we're at this weekend, I mean, they've got all the buckles displayed. And I mean, people love swag. They love to win awards. And actually, I mean, I look at your trophy case when I walked in and I mean, it drew my attention right away. I'm just fascinated by all the, the beautiful buckles displayed. And so good for the association that they're finding, a way to, to bring people in. So let's just say that I wanted to get involved in mounted shooting. What's your advice to, to a, a non-pro that wants to get started?
1: You know, really, you can go to uh, cmsa.com or just top in Cowboy Mounted Shooting Association into Google. And if you go to the CMSA website, you can find a local club near you and all the local clubs do a great job they start they have what's called beginner clinics and that's where you can go for the first time and start exposing your horse to gunfire and the local clubs do a fantastic job with that and then also you can reach out to the local clubs or and and just start reaching out and then you'll find trainers near you and and all that good stuff.
0: Yeah, and so as I walked through the barn today and, and saw your beautiful horses, I noticed there's a lot of young horses that are here to be started and futurity prospects, and then horses that you're getting ready for the Derby in April. But there's also some older horses here that you've got for your customers that are they're in to be tuned up or maybe they've developed a bad habit. What's like the typical? What's the what's the most common bad habit? Is it do they get a fear of the gun or what's your most common problem to fix?
1: Most of the time it's that the horse has started to develop that just everything is pressure because they never really got over the gunfire, and they they were taking the gunfire as a form of pressure. So I have to go back and really kind of rewire them that not everything is pressure and to kind of take a step back and, and desensitize them and get them to slow their mind down and learn that, hey, you know, you know, I've had some horses that literally right when you pick your arm up, they're taken as a form of pressure because they're like, oh, the gun, you know, the gunfire is about to start. I mean, it's not that they're scared of the gunfire. It's just this is a speed event. And there are a lot of horses that their cue to enter the pattern at full speed is when the person draws their gun. And I don't want that. The gun and the gunfire is just something just happens their complete focus needs to be on me to get them through the pattern as efficiently and fast as possible. So, but the sport is set up like, you know, we, it is a speed event, but starting as a level one, you, your competition, you may run. Do
0: they have like walk, jog? Like, can I try, if I start at level one, a can lot I of, trot a through lot of, it?
1: A lot of level ones uh, start at a trot, absolutely. Because you have to learn to be smooth through the pattern before you can start adding speed if you start going too fast too soon you're just gonna be a mess i mean you have two guns you pull one gun you you have to shoot five shots at five balloons you have to holster that gun pull your second gun and then shoot five more and they're single action guns so you think about you're thinking about riding your horse you're thinking about the balloons you're thinking about where you're supposed to ride you're you're thinking about working through the guns you know, aiming at your balloons.
0: You've got to be coordinated that. to do this.
1: It really is muscle memory for a lot of things. Like, you have to practice enough that anything you can turn into muscle memory, the better. Because you can't go out there and think about every little step. And One of our customers right now that's here with us, Melissa, is <laughs> is going through that right now, where she's really teaching herself the muscle memory of her gun change The muscle memory of working through her gun so she can really concentrate on riding her horse. But going to that same point again, you know, as a level one, you're competing against people that are really in your same class. And then you move. And then how you move up is you you get three wins as a level one. you You move up to a level two and then it's four wins after that. So level two, you get four wins. You move up to a level three. Level three, you get four wins, you move up to a level four. Well, then at level four, you have to get five wins to move to a five. And then out of five, you have to get six wins to move to a six. And six is the top level. Um, I
0: like the way that they tear that like that. That's a great way to do it. And I think that if you ask any of the breed associations right now, it used to be just walk trot was for the little kids, but they have walk trot now for adults. And I think there's some adults that never move out of the walk trot or the walk jog because that's just the 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 speed that they want to compete at, and they're quite happy there. But uh, I, I love it that, that that all of the associations are, are giving somebody a chance to go in and, and be a level one and just walk jog. That's a great idea.
1: Oh, absolutely. You have to give the opportunity for for people that just want to have fun with their horse. And we have a ton of people like that. They don't care anything about moving up. They just want to go and be safe and have fun and, have, and hang out with their friends. and Right. And just have a good time shooting guns off their horses. I mean, how much more fun can you That's have than that?
0: cowboy stuff right oh, there. Yeah. Like, I mean, who doesn't want to ride horses and shoot guns? Like, oh, It yeah. sounds like fun. We all did that as kids. And Melissa and I talked about that, too, when we did her episode. Like, as, as kids, we all rode our
1: horses and pretended to shoot. Oh, absolutely. So. I remember I had a miniature pony. Her name was Trixie. <laughs> I was shooting my lever-action cap gun off of her when I was three years old. (laughs) You
0: were doing that before you even knew that mounted shooting was a sport.
1: The first horse that I ever bought with my own money, I bought him from a cell for like $250. He was a yearling. And at two, I I got him broke to ride, and I was shooting a shotgun off of him at two because I liked to squirrel hunt. (laughs) So I would take my horse squirrel hunting. And I had no idea what cavalry might shoot. Oh was. my
0: gosh, you were destined for this, yeah, I think this so. role in I th- your life. Yeah, I think so. And if, so how did you how did you end up in this sport?
1: Actually, when I met my wife, she got me into the sport. She we met up in New England and she was in the sport. She took me to my first shoot. She won the whole thing and I fell in love.
0: Oh, so, that's awesome. Both,
1: both with her and a the woman sport.
0: with a gun oh, yeah. and a horse. Oh, I mean, that's hot.
1: <laughs> yeah, and she just kicked everybody's butt. So I was like, "Yeah, there we go."
0: <laughs> oh, that's that's awesome. So, what what were you doing with the horses prior to that? Were you just were you training horse horses at that time? When oh, you yeah. met Kara?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Mostly just building safe, well rounded that you could go play with cows. You could you could do anything you wanted with them and be safe doing it.
0: I can tell that you're like a soft-spoken, quiet guy. Like you've got to have enormous patience to do what you do and I could I can definitely see that in you. I mean, to get these horses quiet at the ground and and just spend the the hours on the ground
1: that you do. So Yeah, that's, that's really what I love to do is just to see the transformation from them going from just wanting to Their natural thing is to take flight, to change that from that mindset to just really slowing their mind down and learning to think through things instead of just react. It is my favorite thing to do.
0: Talk to us a little bit about your stallion. I just saw your beautiful quarter horse stallion um, out in the barn, and you've uh, done well with him. Talk to us a little bit about your stallion and his breeding and what you want him to do for your program here.
1: Yeah, tough little Pepdo. He is our uh, five-coming six-year-old stallion. He is uh, Pepto Boone's Mall is his grandsire and his grandsire on the bottom is bet on me 498. So both, you know, all cutting bread.
0: So athletic. So, you know, uh, it keeps yeah. kind of going back to that, right? To the the cutting bread. And then you even have, a, I think, is it a Frenchman horse or a, something French, which is barrel racing? Yeah, barrel we going to we hate we me right a, now because I butchered that.
1: Yeah, so I do have a Frenchman's guy, Philly, that I'll be competing in the 2022 Futurity On. She is honestly a project for me because I am curious about these big free running barrel, really running bred horses of how they'll do in the sport. And I know a couple other trainers that have already started a few. But I'm just curious myself of how that line will do in the sport.
0: To combine the athleticism of a cutting horse and barrel horses, I mean, they've got to be quick and athletic, too. So and interesting.
1: That, and that is the goal, is that this filly will go to the Futurity and then go to the derby and do very well. And then we will breed our stallion to her and cross the cutting with the barrel horse lawn and hopefully end up with something really special.
0: So Melissa and I talked about this, too, about that the breeding and and the genetics and and we talked about this even earlier with you but um does it just have to be a quarter horse or a paint horse oh absolutely
1: not there are people that ride walking horses rocky mountain horses arabians appaloosas i mean this year at the futurity there was a chica teak Pony, and I love that
0: because we did two episodes on the shinkateague Ponies, so that's awesome information. Yeah,
1: yeah. as far as the futurity and the, the Cowboy Mile shooting is open to anything; it doesn't have to be registered. It can any horse. Okay, the futurity and the Derby they have to be a registered breed to prove their age. At this oh, point. to prove their age. Yep. Got yeah.
0: So we talked about this being a performance level sport. And when you tell me that if I start out in the level 1 that I've got to, if I win 3 times that I can move up. So I'm like, okay, well that sounds like pretty easy. How is how competitive is the sport? How quickly can you move up levels?
1: It is getting more more and more competitive difficult every day. Just the level of competitors and the quality of horses have have just tremendously grown. The progression
0: of the sport is just... Oh, absolutely.
1: The progression of the sport has really took off. You know, not to throw my wife under the bus here, but she's been a level five now for three years.
0: Oh, the challenge is there.
1: And she's been chasing her last win to move up to a six all season. And it's just been one thing after another that's kind of just... Just hasn't that happened yet. That is
0: fascinating. That is fascinating. So, like, when you go, like, how many different classes are there when you go to a show? Is it like there's level one class of level one, and there'll be 20 exhibitors?
1: Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, ar- around 20 in each class, but there's also a senior level split. So, there's level one, there's ladies one, men's one, senior ladies one, senior men's one. So, the at 50, you can be in the senior class so that you're not having to compete against 15-year-olds that are just fearless of running in nine seconds, you know?
0: Gotcha. Yeah. Oh, no. So I find that really interesting then. So they even break it down further to give everybody just another level to compete at. I yep. like that.
1: So there's a gender split and then also a senior level split.
0: And then, like, is there an open class for the trainers or is it just by level?
1: It's just, it's, it's really by just level. by level. Yep. Gotcha. Yep. So AQHA, if you run an AQHA, it's limited level is levels one through four. And then level five and six are the open for AQHA.
0: I was at the Paint World Championship show this summer in Fort Worth, and I noticed that they had cowboy mounted shooting as an event at the show. They were awarding world championships.
1: Yep. And they're on the same way. Levels one through four are your limited riders. Levels five and six are your open riders.
0: So APHA, AQHA, I know Melissa is working really hard to be recognized by the Arabian Horse Association. And they should be. Right? Yep. Well, absolutely. I mean, these are these horses are athletes competing at high
1: levels. It really it really is, though. It's it is raining, barrel racing, pole bending. And I don't know, I guess you could kind of say raining cow horse. And then add guns on top of it.
0: The, it's so quite the, the combination.
1: The athleticism these horses have to have. And then also you add on that the mind they have to have. Like we, we don't have an alley that these horses run up and you run out. So you have the timer line. You do a warm-up circle and you engage the course. Well, then when you shut down, you only have that much space. To slow your horse down and get them stopped. We don't run out a alley or, or anything like that. So, I mean, just starting and and finishing the pattern is when you're running a sub 12nd run is a lot to handle.
0: Right. So it's a so the runs are I mean so sub ten seconds. That's how much time you have to ride this course, shoot your balloons, and get off. It's that quick.
1: Yep. Yep, some some patterns. You know, there are other patterns that level sixes, the highest levels out there, are running in, in eighteen seconds. Well there are some patterns that you run in nine and a half seconds. So the patterns go from from anything to straight up and straight back to you're running all over the arena, running and gunning. So
0: I have such a new level of respect for this sport. We used to catch it at the North American in Louisville, Kentucky. We'd be down there showing cattle and Kevin and I would watch this sport and talking with Melissa and now with you today, I have such my level of respect for what you guys do has just grown enormously. Really when you think about the, the training and the time and, and what goes into creating these horses is just amazing.
1: Yeah, I know, you know, all the trainers in the sport, we all have the same goal. Cowboy mine shooting needs to be at the same respect level as cutting, or as barrel racing, or as any discipline. It's just new. I but hope
0: that I hope really hope. I'm and I'm talking over you because I'm so excited. Like I really hope that this podcast can help promote the sport. To you know, we have a, a great following of of listeners from a diverse background, and I hope that it gets somebody excited to check out the sport. Oh
1: yeah, absolutely.
0: So we talked about the different steps it takes to get the horse prepared. What does it take to get a rider prepared? I mean, you're a professional at this, and so it, it's muscle memory for you. But for somebody starting the sport, what what are the steps to get them started?
1: Yeah, so really in our program, we we just try to break everything apart. like, And, and it goes back to gun breaking the horse, too. If you put everything together too soon— it's most likely going to mess the horse and the person up, because it's too much, too fast. You have to learn on the ground. You know, we've taught people that have never handled a gun before. We've also taught people that knew guns great and have never sat on a horse, but they really want to do the sport. But you have to separate things. You have to shoot from the ground. You know, learn how to handle the guns, learn how to do a gun change, uh, learn how to load the guns, unload the guns safely. You know, they are actual firearms. So, and it's just black powder that's coming out of the gun. But if you shoot yourself point blank, you're going to the hospital. The black powder will get under your skin and it's nasty. So, but really the progression is, is you shoot on the ground. Then you go ahead and get on the horse, go to shooting off the horse. But then most of the time you need to put the guns away and then set patterns up and get the feel for running patterns and starting to see your lines and, and navigating the patterns. And then slowly you start putting everything together. Really?
0: That's a lot. It, it is, is a lot. lot. I, I mean, I just assumed, I, right? I mean, anyone that's listening to this today that thinks that you can just get on a horse, run a pattern and shoot, <laughs> it's got a lot to learn. There's so yeah. much of this.
1: Yeah, there's a a lot to it. I mean, and it just depends on the level that you you may come into this and you're all in. And you say, hey, I'm going to compete at the national level. Well, you've got a lot of homework to do. If you come into this and you say, hey, this looks like a lot of fun. I'm going to compete right here locally. I don't have any big plans of going to the national level or anything like that. Well, you could, once your horse's gun broke, you're ready to go and compete. Like, you could go and compete. You just can't have, you know, you probably don't have your sets, your eyes, your eyes, you know, too big for your stomach anyway. So you could get there sooner rather than later. But somebody that's really all in and that wants to go and win right away, they they need to find a trainer and work with them and really get things. I have seen a lot of people come into the sport and mess up a really nice horse because they tried to go too far too fast.
0: That's great advice. Yeah, you
1: you have to slow it down. And we have a we have a shooting the the title sponsor for the Derby is quick or dead. And kind of his saying is slow is smooth. Smooth is fast is the saying that is the truth for this sport. You have to start slow so that you can get smooth. You can get that smooth efficiency through the course. Cause when you get that, the shooting and the gun handling becomes easy. It really does. And then once you get smooth, then you can get faster and faster and faster with everything.
0: Oh goodness. All right. So let me answer this. Like, I mean, I, when we're in full-blown cutting mode, like we look forward to having a couple shows a month. If you're involved in this sport, can you, can you go to an event a couple times a month regionally? Like how often are
1: there shows? You can literally go to a show any weekend of the, any weekend of the show season. Like really, we, we go to at least two a month and there are certain times a year we're at a shoot every weekend. Is it, it can,
0: regional? Is there pockets of the country where the sport's more popular? Or is it is it nationwide now?
1: It is It is really nationwide. It's nationwide now. The Midwest region was huge. I think this was the biggest regional championship that they've had in history. I think there was 160 competitors there. Worlds this year was the biggest ever for the CMSA. Uh, Easterns in Tennessee was the biggest ever this year so the sport is growing the competition is growing the progression i mean it's, it's just really taken off so we're going to continue to help it grow and and just see what it can become we've got big dreams for the sport we are so excited about the derby it's going to be huge we had 38 horses in the Futurity this year and i, I expect at least 80 percent to be at the derby at least but i would expect there'd be somewhere between 30 and 38 horses in the derby that's
0: great and i and i think it's just going to grow i mean if there's 38 then next year it grows and grows and grows
1: the first year was four years ago we're coming up on the five-year anniversary of the faturity the first year there were eight horses in the faturity i was on a horse and there were seven other competitors on horses and in, so the fourth year, this past Futurity, there was 38 horses. The first year we gave away $10,000, and this past year we gave away over $42,000. So it's really taken off. There's a lot of excitement behind the Futurity and the Derby. It's, it's going to continue to grow.
0: Awesome. So probably the leader of this team is also with us today, Kara Penley. So Kira is Jared's wife and the one that got Jared into the mounted shooting. And I love your logo on your jackets and on your sign, guns, grit, and grace. Talk about that, Kara, and then your role in this partnership with Jared and Penley Horsemanship.
2: Sure. So Jared and I started Penley Horsemanship after we met in 2015. And we were sitting on the couch one night talking about what is this training program going to look like and what makes it special. And we were talking back and forth about different slogans or logos that we could use for the business. And we ended up deciding that our slogan was going to be Guns, Grit, and Grace. And the background to that has really evolved over time on what it means to us. So originally, we were trying to say with the guns that that is the mounted shooting part of our business. And at that time, that was just a portion of the business. Jared also did a lot of natural horsemanship training. So the grit was really, it takes hard work to achieve success in any equine discipline. So we wanted to make sure that people understood that we want to work hard and achieve our goals. And then the grace part was really a religious component. That harmony and the horsemanship and the Trinity symbol really had a religious background for us to start with. And as we've progressed in the business, I think the gun's grit and grace has now become a tool for us when we're teaching clinics. So Jared and I co teach all of our clinics and our lessons, which is something that we think adds something special and above and beyond other people so that we can see things differently cuz Jared tends to look at the horse and I tend to look at the rider and if we can combine those together we can Great help that person. Yeah, so we really wanted our business to be a partnership that we both actively participated in creating these horses and these riders. And so now what we use the guns grit and grace for from a clinic standpoint is the guns are really your gun management. How do you handle guns? How do you look at the patterns? Which are you shooting and how? And then the grit side turned into more of your mental preparation. So one of the things that's really important in this sport is that you're mentally prepared. There's so many different factors that go into each run that you're making. You have to make sure that you've also mentally prepared yourself to go in and be successful. And then that grace side is really your slow work, that horsemanship. You have to have that harmony between you and your horse to have that smooth and efficient pattern.
0: Love it. That's awesome. So tell me, like, do you have children? Like, do you have young kids that are part of your team, or is it mostly adults? Is it a mixture?
2: Right now, our clientele is mostly adults. So, a unique feature of our business is we don't have lesson horses. So if somebody wants to come into the sport, they do have to have their own horse to participate. So a lot of times we don't get a lot of kids just because we don't run a lesson program per se. So our services really circle around lessons With people that are bringing their own horses, we do clinics on a plethora of different topics. We'll do mounted shooting, horsemanship, and then we also do coaching at the events. So we'll help people say somebody isn't sure how to run a pattern or or they're not sure how to shoot it, we'll go ahead and and help them and guide them through the pattern and we'll watch them run it and then give them pointers on how they can improve.
0: I got to believe, I know at the cutting, I know that there's a lot of nervous exhibitors that are about to go into a ring and drop their hand mm-hmm. and get through it. And the mental part of it is such a big deal, the mental preparation. So I'm going to guess that you are the one that talks your clients off the cliff before they go in. Is that you?
2: It depends on what type of cliff they're on, whether it's Jared or me. (laughs) So um, it goes back into that partnership as we really try to figure out what motivates that person to be successful. And so if it's something that Jared's really good at talking about, it'll be Jared that coaches them through that run. If it's something that I'm better at talking about, then it'll be me. So when somebody comes and works with us for the business – You're not going to just work with one person or the other. We're going to mix it up and try to give you the best experience possible based on your individual needs. And it works the same for the horses. We try to treat them each as individuals to make sure we understand what they need to be successful.
0: So you compete and you have uh, your own special horse that you compete on? I do. His name is Deuce. <laughs> tell, all right. So tell us about your tell us about your horse and and what you've gone through with your horse to be able to compete at the level that you're at.
2: Oh boy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> is there is Deuce a character? Is that why this is funny?
2: He is. So Deuce, my main competition horse, Deuce. We got him as a project. My mom bought him. And uh, he had a severe bucking issue. And it was when I first met Jared and I said, you know, it would be really great if you taught me how to restart this horse and we fix this bucking problem. And so Jared and I spent hours upon hours upon weeks and months and years fixing this horse until he had the confidence that we could then go shoot off of him. So everything that Jared talked about with building that trust and that relationship It just took us a very long time with this particular horse to get him to trust me to be his leader enough so that when we added in the gunfire, it wasn't that added pressure. It wasn't a negative experience. So Deuce is really special to me because I've had him for so long and we put so much time into him. And it really helped Jared and I create that relationship of what does this training program look like. So he's a pretty special horse because he created what our vision of Penley horsemanship is to a certain extent. And uh, to see him progress from a horse that most people would throw away. Yeah. For a bronc. <laughs> bronc. Jared's over there
0: going, a bronc. Yeah. yeah.
2: From a bronc to a really special and one of the top horses in, in the nation as far as managed shooting. It's something really special, and I think he's he's kind of a poster child for our training program that you have to take a step back and find what's missing in that foundation to be able to make that horse successful moving on.
0: One of the terms that I've really keyed on, I've I've heard Jared talk about it and you too, is that restart. So horses that come in with a problem and and you guys call it a, a restart.
2: So when horses come into training, and Jared can probably talk on this better, we start doing groundwork with them as soon as they get here to figure out where the holes are, to figure out their foundation work and what's needed. And if there was something missing, in that step-by-step process, as far as what we determine to be a good foundation. Now that could be different depending on who you talk to, but we like to do everything through our step-by-step process. So if we do find a hole, we can go back, correct it, gain that trust. And then when you start to build in new experiences, that horse is used to saying yes to you. So if you try to introduce gunfire or another form of pressure, if that horse is in a negative or refusing mindset, You're not going to get very far. So our job when those horses come into training is to get them to say yes and want to say yes to you over and over and build those positive experiences. So when you add in something new, their automatic response is to say yes, or I don't understand, but I'll try.
0: And so maybe the restart is with the rider too.
2: Yes. A lot of times our job is changing the mindset of the rider as well and making sure that they're understanding what's needed to be successful with that horse. And sometimes they need a total reset. Sometimes the horse does, a combination of both. So we really work with horses and riders to figure out what's going to make them successful.
0: What are what are the Penley teams? Tell me about your Penley teams.
2: So there's a page on our website that has Penley Horsemanship teams. We pride ourselves in matching horse and rider so that they're a good fit. So if somebody comes to try a horse from us that we have for sale, we may say no. It depends on whether or not it's going to work between that particular horse and that rider for them to be successful. And we pride ourselves on building good horse and rider teams that are going to continue to get along past the point of that sale date. So on our website, we have a page called Penley Teams, and it's all the horse and rider combinations that are actively competing in the sport
0: that bought a horse from us. I love it. That's great. What's one of your most memorable teams? Like Who's come to you that was just a wreck and they've just become just a memorable team and, and reached success?
2: The individual that we feel really embodies guns, Grit and Grace and has progressed tremendously through the sport is one of our team riders, Drew Wallace. When we met him, I think it was four years ago, Drew was a men's one. He had just moved from California to New England. And he wanted to get really serious into the sport. And he has continued to persevere, work hard. And through that, he's gone through multiple different horses because sometimes that level one horse isn't going to take you to a level six. And so we've found appropriate horses for him to progress in the sport. And then we've also found good homes for those horses to continue being successful with another rider team. That's going to help them be at the best of their level. And I think that's important for people to remember. And so one of, one of the things that we try to do in matching that horse and rider pair is to know where the limits of that horse is and where the limits of that rider are. So you may not end up on the same horse from a level one to a six. Now you may. I had a gelding ace that took me from a one to a five. And if he hadn't of, been 23 and needing to retire, he would have taken me all the way to a level six, but there's a place for those horses. There's horses that are excellent at being a lower level horse. Let them be successful at that level. And so Drew did a great job of stair stepping up with the right horses at the right time and staying patient and learning his skills. And he is currently, he just moved up to a men's level five and he just bought Jared's horse red that Jared's been winning National titles off of because he's now ready to sit on that caliber of a horse and be successful and have that horse be the one that takes him from a five to a six and to see people succeed like that is that's what it's all about. Is we love to watch our customers continue to be successful and reach those goals that they've set for themselves.
0: Yeah, and what I can see too. I mean, you came over to the cutting to watch Melissa show, and and I can see that your clients are your friends too. Good for you guys. Yeah,
2: yeah. We we love horses. We love the sport and. We love to spend time with our customers, and and it's nice because we create a family. So Melissa will come and cheer me on when I'm riding, and then I'll come over and watch Melissa and cheer her on. And that's one of the wonderful things about the sport is even people that are in your level that are competing with you, there's a level of competition that's there, but there's also a level of camaraderie that... I haven't seen in any other sport
0: right we're all competitors like we we wouldn't do this if we didn't want to win
2: exactly right
0: we want to come out on top but you also have respect for those other people that are, are working just as hard as you and and some days you're the winner and some days you're not but but it is a great level of friendship I think in all aspects of the horse industry and in competition absolutely well, I'm really impressed with your facility and yeah, your you. horses. So congratulations on all of your success. And I'm excited to, uh, to see how the derby goes for you and, and, uh, to, to watch for foals out of your stallion. I highly encourage our listeners to go to cmsaevents.com and look up mounted shooting and go find a club locally and check it out. So that's our story this week. Thank you for joining us. We look forward to spending more time with you and sharing stories of our industry. See you next week.